Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to Outbound Metrics, the number one podcast for audio case studies of outbound sales campaigns for B2B service and software companies. If you own or work for a SaaS company, digital marketing agency, or lead generation agency, and you want to generate more revenue for your company using cold outreach, you're in the right place. There's no other podcast that goes as in-depth into winning outbound sales campaigns as this one. In each episode, we reverse engineer and deconstruct what's working right now in cold outreach. I'm Morgan Williams, and over the past couple of years, I've had the opportunity to interview dozens of agency owners, SaaS founders, and growth consultants on this podcast about how they craft high-converting, multi-channel outbound sales campaigns. This has given me unique insight into what's working right now in the outbound sales industry. That includes onboarding, how to find data and prospects, how to use multiple channels like email, the phone, LinkedIn, direct mail, voicemail, social media, and more. I've also had the opportunity to spend my entire 13-year and counting career involved in generating new business for a variety of B2B software and service companies, which brings us to today's episode. If you're listening to this right now, you're probably interested in using cold outreach to set sales meetings, find prospects, send emails, and book sales calls. Sounds easy enough, right? Well, what do you do when cold email doesn't work? Think about it. You find the right prospects and use the right messaging but the sales meetings just don't come. Well, that's exactly what happened to my guest. Ahan Isaacs is the founder of Growth Rhino, a sales agency that works with SaaS companies to build scalable outbound engines. He got into a situation where he was working with a client to drive sales meetings using cold email, but his campaigns weren't converting. He even tried Google ads, Facebook ads, and pretty much every other marketing channel to drive revenue, but alas, nothing materialized from his efforts for six months. At this point, most people would give up and chalk it all up to a loss, but Ahan didn't let that stop him. As a naturally curious and talented growth hacker, Ahan took a new approach to cold outreach that opened up a flood of new business for his client, but the results didn't come like he expected. This new angle unlocked a revenue engine for his client's business, and the results have continued to compound. Over the past 12 months, He has taken the agency that he started from zero to 25K in MRR completely bootstrapped. Previous to running the agency, Ahan worked as a BDR at a number of different early stage startups, followed by doing a number of different consulting jobs. He is certified in conversion optimization from CXL Institute and holds a master's in innovation and entrepreneurship from Ryerson University. In this episode, we'll take a look at the exact steps Ahan took to connect with executives at Deutsche Bank. HSBC, KPMG, Orange Theory Fitness, and other billion-dollar companies. We'll discuss his outreach copy, how he leveraged webinars, LinkedIn, and YouTube to build a content machine to drive new business 24-7, and how he iterated on his process to drive even faster results 
using fewer resources? Are you looking to build a multi-channel campaign that drives exponential growth? If so, make sure you listen to the very end of this episode and I'll see you on the other side. What if you knew exactly how to use cold email, LinkedIn, the phone, and other sales channels to get new meetings and customers for your B2B product or service? Morgan Williams is an enterprise sales rep that's obsessed with cold outreach. If you're sick and tired of fluff, theory, and general advice on how to sell to cold prospects from people who haven't sold anything in the past 20 years and instead want detailed, tactical, step-by-step instruction, this is the podcast for you. Each week, he'll interview salespeople, consultants, and entrepreneurs about actual outbound sales campaigns they've run with real numbers and results. Each conversation will be a deep dive into deconstructing a specific campaign's results, as well as the strategy behind it. You'll get the opportunity to peek behind the curtain and see what's actually working now in cold outreach. Welcome to Outbound Metrics. Ahan Isaacs is the founder of Growth Rhino. Growth Rhino is a growth marketing agency that works with SaaS companies to build or optimize their growth program. Ahan, it's a pleasure to have you on. Are you ready to dive in? I'm ready to dive in. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Great to have you. So first off, how does Growth Rhino get results for its customers? Yeah, for sure. That's a great question. I think for us, the way we approach outbound is extremely different. We just, we're not about just going and launching campaigns and trying to go and ask for the meetings. We go out there and we really try to understand your persona, the pain point, and really identify what's the best like path to get that meeting. Yeah. So there's a number of different ways we do it. And we are very, very big on experimentation. So our onboarding is extremely extensive. And we try to identify all these different experiments we can run within the first two to three months and identify that right message, the right cadence, and then scale from there. Awesome. I love it. Really digging into that company, who they're going after, like it and experimenting. What would you say makes you different from other growth marketing firms? So I guess traditional growth marketing firms really just look at your traditional mediums. You're looking at PPC, you're looking at content. You're looking at very isolated marketing channels. What we try to do is we try to combine various marketing channels, but it's predominantly built on two things. One is email. Two is how much of it do you need to go outbound on? And then really look at the full life cycle and customer acquisition funnel, right? And combine all of these different elements. A traditional growth marketing agency that I know of is just like, hey, like, how do we growth hack our way and what's our short-term fix to something, which I don't fundamentally believe because eventually you need something that's sustainable and scalable. Right, looking at building an asset for the customer, looking at the long-term. Yes. All right. Productized pricing or custom? So right now we are in custom, but I'm trying, like I've closed two deals recently and I'm, I'm experimenting with productized. And I think it's going to be pro- like a little bit of a hybrid, a productized, like maybe range, because I think that is what people are slowly by slowly in the agency world need to kind of come around to, especially at our ACV level in our uh, jurisdiction. Custom pricing is more when you have to do something completely out of the box, but right now we fine-tuned our process well enough that we can start to offer as a productized service. It, it didn't start that way. It took, took us a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. And who's your ideal customer? So our ideal customer, we're really looking for SaaS companies that are 
I would say early stage, you know, maybe they've raised either 500K to a million or they've generated at least 500K to a million and where the founder or maybe one salesperson is doing everything. And we're coming in there and we're helping them build their outbound engine, really just looking at the funnel and seeing where that outbound engine fits in and facilitate that uh, optimization effort, right? Because that way we can have a 10x impact and then our customers stay with us for a lot longer. Awesome. I love it. Going into this case study that you have for us today, can you kind of set the scene as like how what was happening in your business or what was happening with your team before you decided to run this uh, experiment? Yeah, just to clarify, so this is the case that we're going to be talking about happened on a client side, then okay. specifically at Growth Rhino. So I'm happy to get into those uh, details. But yeah, to set the scene, there's not much stuff. It's a imagine disaster like that. <laughs> that was the scene. Oh, at, on client side, we didn't have, we had extremely minimum marketing efforts going on. Uh, we experimented heavily with outbound. None of them converted just a little bit more on the client side, you know, their services, digital services space, and they haven't been able to, you know, convert from, from traditional channels. All everything was happening through referrals. So, and the good thing about them was they had a decent brand within the, the local ecosystem. So that's where we were at when we did a lot of experiment. But, you know, we experimented with like Facebook ads, Google ads, intent data we did traditional outbound cold email campaigns for a few months you know just around the time of covid there's a lot of things going on and you know during covid the company ultimately went bankrupt so we actually launched this new program which we'll get into just post covid two three months after and that's it's been a great success awesome i love it during the digital service sp- services space what problem do they solve or what do they offer specifically to kind of set the stage for the audience yeah, for sure. So during the digital service space, so there, if you think of any, like they're called the sort of product development studio. So they work with a lot of high growth scale-ups and enterprises, and they act like a product development arm for those companies, right? They work with companies like Shopify, Maple Leaf, MLSC, Maple Leaf Sports, Tim, who owns the Tron Raptors. They also, those types of high growth type of companies, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of services, product development, app development, some web development, um, you know, really going into some of the tech stacks. So extremely saturated space. Like, like the, it, sure. was very, it was very interesting. One of the reasons I joined, I joined this, uh, took the client on was because of, I'm like, hey, if I can figure out how to do outbound and build a demand gen agent, a demand gen system for saturates, for saturated and super hyper competitive space, then I can, I'm, I'll be in a good place. In terms of problems that they're solving, typical like your staff augmentation problem, where they're like, "Hey, we're we can't hire fast enough, so let's hire this agency to go and scale our efforts, and we'd hire our, our client to go and implement and scale those efforts." Awesome. So, digital services space working working as a product development arm for high growth companies, a lot of tech companies. Uh, so that's their ideal customer. So when you are starting this process and you have kind of waded through. Outbound wasn't working. They're relying on referrals. Where do you go from here? Yeah, so you can imagine, like, I ran, I think my, uh, <laughs> I ran over 50 campaigns at that point. I was, wow. I was six, seven months in. I was an outside contractor. I'm like, a guy, like, because, you know, when you go in, you're like, yeah, I can sell you this 
cold email engine and you you promise the world and if you can't live up to that you you kind of left in a, in a poor position right so i wasn't like mentally in the best space but you know luckily the client was, was experiment was very uh, open and extremely experimental driven there's like okay mm. let's figure it out let's figure it out you know at that point uh, it was just post-covid and we were trying to do a lot of these events trying to reach out to a lot of people who are doing these online events and stuff like that. And we were just not, it wasn't converting in the sense we couldn't identify who's attending the online event and we didn't know if they actually attended. It was just all over the place. One of the things uh, I did a lot of like research and I'm like, Hey, like we need to elevate our brand as a company. Like we only have a local brand and we need to go put this on steroids. And it's like, how do you build brand on a shoestring budget? And I didn't have the answer to that, but I'm like, I know how to run outbound campaigns and I know how to put my name or, or my client's name in front of thousands of people. So the only thing is like, what are we offering? And if they're not ready just yet for a product development service, I think that's fine. What is something that they, we can put in front of them that will make them at least pay attention, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't want to think of like content pieces. I didn't like, I didn't see any value in like an e- another ebook because so many ebooks just <laughs> you can litter the space. Yep. So we we ran a campaign which is extremely experimental, which was like, hey, so the ideal customer, I went to the to the founder, I'm like, hey, who do you like who do you want to reach out to? He's like, oh, we've worked with all these corporate innovation teams and these head of innovations and these head of products, like, you know, I'd like to work more with them. I'm like, okay, fine. Kind of like the same exercise we just did, identified the ideal customer, put that in a list, launched the campaign. But the, the caveat in that campaign was like, hey, I'd like to do a webinar about a topic of something. And we named like three potential topics, but we're like, hey, it's whatever you want to talk about. Let's do a webinar together or let's do something to that. We've identified that there's a void of information in this industry. So I think we went at that time up to like corporate innovation people because they're like, there's no content for corporate innovation people that's very peer driven. Like if I go search corporate innovation to YouTube, I'm only going to get all these like KPMG and all these random brands or bigger brands like talking to me about it, but they're not mm-hmm. going to be actually like, hey, the head of innovation for this company telling me what their day-to-day is like about. So we went ahead and did that and we launched this campaign and it was extremely successful. And success in that by that standpoint was we had, I think we got, it was like a 70% open rate, mm. 25%, like roughly 20 to 25% reply rate. And, you know, we had something like, 50 people saying that they're either, it was a very small campaign. It was like 500 to 700, right? But 50 people saying that they're interested. And then we had like another like 50, like 40 to 60 people saying that they're, hey, they don't want to speak, but they're interested in attending, right? So what I did with this is I went back to the founder. And I'm like, hey, like, I think we have something. I We should really do this. Like, you know, I couldn't get in front of any corporate innovation manager for five, six months. And now I'm telling them we're going to do some webinar with them about something. It was, <laughs> you're putting something and you're yeah. just using all that. It's about something, anything, and let's just do it. And people were more open because I think timing was, it was COVID, right? Like everyone's in front of the computer and they want to build their personal brand and be like, hey, I'm willing to contribute. And like, just to throw in some of the brands, like we had Deutsche Bank, we had H- HSBC. We actually got one person from KPMG. We had ATB Bank. We had like all these, uh, not, I, not examples that you gave for banking, but like we had all these really great brands. We had at that time also Orange Theory Fitness before I think that individual got let go or something. Also, we had like all these amazing individuals come back and say, hey, they're interested in participating. Well, wow. we didn't have anything for them to participate in. Right. <laughs> so, so that was the fundamental like, okay, like, 
we ran an experiment, we got promising results, and I was like, hey, then what? What can we do about it? Mm-hmm. So then that led on to the Germany. I think that was like around August last year, August 2020. Awesome. So just to recap that, you're, you're reaching out to corporate innovation people, right? So these yeah. people are, especially at the names that you mentioned, these are people that are tough to get a hold of usually, yeah, 100%, right? Yeah, 100%. There's a lot yeah. of people reaching out to them every yeah. day, right? Tough crowd in terms of uh, getting their attention. So you're reaching out to them. You reached out to 500 to 700 people and 40 to 60 people were interested in attending, right? And number of speakers, did you, how many say you had? No, no, so 40 to 60 were interested in speaking. And then oh, we okay. had another, like, you know, like, sorry, it was 40, yeah, 40 speakers, roughly, we think. And about 60 people were interested in, gotcha. in attending. And some were like, yeah, we're doing this. Like, which, it's either you're interested in attending or speaking. Like, let us know, right? We were just stress testing to see if this idea had leg. And it turned out it did, right? Gotcha, gotcha. Very high open rate, very high reply rate. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, definitely wouldn't see those type of results on a typical sales campaign, right? 25% reply rate to these yeah. folks probably wouldn't be there, you know? Yeah, I think that the, 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 I've been doing cold email for a long time now, but I think because this was extremely personal, like uh, personal in the sense like it was about them. Like, you know, we talk a lot about, the, like you hear a lot of people in an album videos and stuff it's like make it about them make it like there's nothing more <laughs> about the individual but like hey i want you on a webinar right and like you don't have to personalize it further than that It'd be like hey notice you're the chief product officer or you're the corporate innovation manager at this company would you love to participate in our webinar we're possibly talking about these three topics and and i'm gonna i'm gonna jump fast forward a little bit but like when we ran the same messaging but with social proof Conversion was like 40 to 50%. We're at the point now where we're like, we're very selective on who we want to reach out to. And if I reach out to someone, I know I have a 40 to 50% conversion rate because I have social proof and thought that I'm like, hey, go to YouTube, check out these videos we've done. Are you interested in participating? We can talk about topics one, two, and three. Let me know if interested. And it goes, uh, uh, it's extremely, extremely successful. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I want to get to... How, like how you coordinated it and then sure. like what you mentioned at what happened after, but I do want to go into real quick, the campaign, just kind of a high level of the campaign. So you said for personalization, right? The nature of it, very personal begin with, Hey, I'm, I'm seeking your expertise. I see you as a, you know, a leader in the field. I want you on a webinar. Yeah. How many touch points were in the campaign and was there any other specific copy you used? Yeah, like, so I have some fundamental ways of how I operate when it comes to copy and touch points. I think for touch points, it's like, I know some people are like, oh, you need to do seven, eight touch points over 45 days. But I think for something like this, again, because we're doing it very experimental, and even when we do the, our speaker outreach today, we only do maximum two to three touch points. Mm-hmm. The first is inviting them. The second is a follow-up. And there's a third, like, sorry, that's the first, inviting them, then maybe like three days later, it's quick obviously three working days, quick bump up, and then seven working days after another bump, right? And the second bump is just like, hey, just following up in the below. I know some people have very different thoughts on that, but like, because again, it's like super personal and it's about them. It's not about the company they're at or something. It's like, it usually gets their attention. And then the third one is like, hey, please let me know if there's any interest from your side. And would love to get you on board as a, to come on board to chat uh, or to share your expertise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's in terms of themes, right? In terms of copy, I'm, so this is very different. It's not your typical sales or marketing copy. 
like if a typical sales, like if I'm going for a demo, I try to use more provocation techniques saying, hey, would it make sense to continue conversation? Is this of any interest? But like for this, I went straight for the kill. I'm like, hey, we're doing this. You seem to be a subject matter expert. Are you interested? Right? It's a very black and white. It's either you're interested or you're not interested. And if you're interested, great. If not, thank you. <laughs> I, have nothing, I have nothing further that I can contribute towards this in terms of a threat, right? Honestly, it wasn't any rocket science copy. I think I came up with the copy on the fly, like within, like, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we could talk about. Like, you know, and I think for corporate innovation, the copy was like, hey, like, why is corporate innovation so hard? You know, like, how can you actually get buy-in from your stakeholders? And the third one is like, how do you actually get budget for corporate innovation? And the way I identified those three topics is equivalent to if I was doing an outbound message and identifying three problems was I first did a lot of Google innovation, Google searches on like what corporate innovation managers struggle with. And then I went to the founder. I'm like, hey, you've spoken to like 20 of these guys and girls. Like, what did these, like, why did they end up hiring you? And I, I got like 10, 15 problems. I boiled it down to three and I just put them in the email. So mm-hmm. I'm very problem-centric in my copy, if that makes sense, right? And I'm very blunt, very black and white. I feel like I'm, I don't like to, I'm not like, oh, hope all is well in sunny California. Like I don't, <laughs> I go straight right. for it, right? And I, I personally think, that's the way to go when, when you're doing something like this because you just need it's either yes or no, right? You don't need right. to warm them up into something, right? Right, right. The offer is in the prospect size, right? It's a more valuable offer than the than just a sales call, right? Yes, so 100%. you're letting the offer really do the speaking for you. And then yep. your results are amplified when you show that social proof because like, here's what we have and here's what we did previously yeah. specifically. Yeah, yeah. I can 100% see that. I can 100% see that. Okay, cool. Yeah. So two, three touch points, you know, bang, bang, bang in the first, you know, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. You're, you're writing those topics out based on pain points, right? Uh, yeah. That you know that that ICP has two follow-ups within a span of 10 days yeah. or so. And what, maybe what we'll do is like, I'll throw in a LinkedIn connection, like somewhere in between the, the touch mm-hmm. points, one to three, just so like, hey, like whatever, whichever, but it wouldn't be as coordinated as with the campaigns, right? It might right. be like, oh, like I'm seeing this person's opening up a lot of my email. Let me throw, a, let me throw in a connection request. It wouldn't be as like you know, I'm not using like any a software. In there. Yeah, exactly. I'll be like, hey, you know, I, I reached because it wasn't a big, big prospect. Because if you see the amount of people who are opening up and engaging with your content and it's not mm-hmm. replied, then you know you only have to then connect with a handful of people per day per week. Yep. So you've got. You've got people who are at this point, people who are interested in attending. You've got people who are interested in speaking. Sounds like a lot of coordination is required to pull this off. Was this live or were these recorded previously? So we started off live because what happened was, again, my bread and butter is outbound. So we're like, Mm -hmm. hey, let's get the speaker and then let's go outbound again and get the attendees. And we would then market the speaker to these attendees. So if we get someone from a bank, we'll go to other banks. We get someone in, you know, like an auto dealership, we'll go, if we get someone in SaaS, let's go back to SaaS. It's always reverse engineered. And outbound is the constant. Because for me to build a list, write copy, and send an email campaign is second nature, right? Mm-hmm. So the assumption, we've had a number of assumptions throughout this journey. And one of the assumptions was like, hey, we can pull this off on a weekly basis. Let's build out a weekly cadence. Mm-hmm. So we started. We did the first one live. It was a great success. We had someone from the head of innovation from ATB Financial. Really, really good. We had about 70 people attend. Like nobody's heard of our brand. Nobody knows who we are. 
or we just went ham on the corporate innovation on the attendees by going on a cold email list and be like, hey, we have this person talking about these three points. Would you be interested? Here's a link. And we at that time, like we didn't have like a fancy landing page. We used the Zoom webinar page and like mm. we put everyone's profile. I don't think the bios are even correct. We're like, go sign up. Like this is the Zoom link. And we just, that's how we were measuring everything. We're like, oh, okay. We got like, I think we had like a hundred signups out of which like, uh, yeah, about 60, 70 people showed up, right? Nice. Uh, attended the that's first great. one. And then the second one, we're like, okay, let's do it again. We did it two weeks after. And we were like, hey, let's recycle the list. Let's recycle. And that was actually what's wrong. Like the people who were attending for banking may not be interested in the one for transportation or logistics, right? So we, that was one of the things it didn't necessarily transfer over. So, and we needed time to always like a four week lead time to build up hype for our respective live webinars. So then what we ended up up to the third one, we did it again. We only had an attendance of like five to 10 people, right? So we're like, okay, let's kill the live because it's not worth it. Let's just start doing pre-recorded and that actually allowed us to amplify our output. We're like, okay, fine. Let's try to do three of these pre-recordings a week and making mm-hmm. sure that we're constantly doing recordings. And those recordings are going to be utilized for other assets and all of that type of stuff. Ask you so you're you're building these like micro events, right? Or like what based on industry, like they're targeted, they're highly targeted, right? How, yeah. So how many speakers did you have at each event? So it wasn't that it was each event; it was like each speaker brought a unique perspective because corporate innovation is an agnostic role across multiple industries. So we're like, hey, how does corporate innovation work at fintech versus transportation, right? So we did that, and like. At that point, we didn't have, we were like, can we get 10 of them, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we planned for 10. Fast forward a year now, you know, next month, we're going to be hitting close to 50 interviews, mm-hmm. right? Wow. Um, we slowed down, we picked it up. It took a lot of time to get there, right? I think by the end of December, we only locked in about seven, right? We didn't even hit 10 because it was like so much work that we didn't even expect, like, or how to actually anticipate and how to convert all of this into tangible results, right? Gotcha. So you're you're using Zoom. You're fine. You're in a cycle of finding speakers and then leveraging those speakers to drive in attendees, attendees. in a four week yeah. time frame, and you're just kind yeah. of building this into a system. Yeah. So that worked for the live series. So now we're going to actually be doing another live series. But like now that we've gone through that cycle, we're like, okay, fine. Let's do a live webinar. But we plan it six, seven weeks ahead and we're like, let's go get the speakers. I still acquire speakers from Outbound, plot them in seven, eight weeks, eight weeks ahead. And then we just run Outbound campaigns to circle them up. So that's like one initiative we've launched, which is the live webinar initiatives. But at the same time, to like increase our output is like, hey, let's just do, let's just do outreach, get speakers and do pre-recordings and just like record them and throw them up on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Right. Mm-hmm. And then also chop them up into multiple assets and put them up on LinkedIn. Right. So like I wanted to accelerate our, our, our output of assets because I knew then for us to build brand in this thing, we needed to just be everywhere. And we need to be everywhere for like a specific industry within ideally a, a geography, which in our case was US and Canada. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were doing multiple things at the same time. We had these live webinars that we did like I think I have three, four of them. Then we stopped because they were putting too much resources uh, thing. And then we went into pre-recording. And now that we're, we're starting to reintroduce live webinars again. Gotcha. I like that. So you're like just 
you know, you, you're providing the platform, the distribution channel, and and the experts yeah. providing their expertise. Yeah, and um, it's just this this cycle. Yeah, and even for distribution, like that's a big part. Like I'm not my background is on content marketing. My background is mm-hmm. cold email outreach. I, I emphasize that. Is that like for distribution? I'm like, hey, like if we need to show some early stage, like we'll distribute through cold email. Like it's simple. Like we'll build a targeted list of people we think that would be interested in viewing this content. They could be our prospects, maybe not. But like we're like, hey, distribution needs to be done at a top funnel level. We'll build a list. And of like a thousand people, I very rarely spray and pray, but like, we'll be like, hey, thought we, like you'd be interested in this recording that we did. And we'll try to bump up the viewership a little bit on the respective social media channels just to show we have a little bit more authority. But what we've also seen is that like, people actually like that because it's very non-salesy. It's like people share the video, people talk about us. And like all we're doing is we're, we're re-leveraging an asset that we had in our, in our arsenal. Right, but like, mm-hmm. hey, go check this out. Like, there's it's on YouTube, All right? And then there was learnings across that. There's a lot of learnings over the last one year that's particular to outbound and building a funnel like this. Awesome. So you're you're sitting again. You're using that low friction offer, highly valuable low friction offer. Emailing someone and saying yeah. this time, you know, hey, check this out. You know, this is highly relevant to you. Yeah. Right. Check this out. Right. Yeah. And people do it. You know, because yeah. used to being sold, and it's not. You're not yeah, sorry. You want to be in that friction. Like, I'm a big fan of frictionless sales environments, right? I think like that truly is going to be the future. Like, again, not to go on the tangent here, and if I do, like, <laughs> straight me back onto the path. But like, the 20 years ago when we were doing all any outbound sales efforts, it was all about education. I had to educate my prospect because they just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to today, like our prospect knows everything. They're they're a search away from knowing even probably more than you because they already understand their problem. And then if you already told them a little bit of a solution, they can just like Google another solution. So like your value needs to be like way more than what you think it needs to be, right? It has to be on connecting the dots on like what their problem is, what their solution will go beyond them. Like what's, what's your strategic way of them to be successful, right? So the reason I really like this method was I'm like, I'm able to build relationships from the get-go with attendees, with viewers, and with speakers, then I'm also able to really understand what their world is like, right? Throughout a specific, you know, uh, journey. And I think the one thing just for your audience to know is that this is a services-based business. It's very, very different. And it's an agency of all things. Mm-hmm. That, like, I, I thought SaaS and services is the same. It doesn't matter. But, like, you know, think of the ACV. Think of whether it's SaaS or service. And, like, you will understand that your prospect and your sales cycle is very, very different than anything else. So you need to build a program, whether it's an outbound program, a content program that accommodates that. So that was really, really different. So you had to, like, one thing I realized, because we're a services-based business and because we are high ACV, you know, the information I present to you, like, I really, really need to know what I'm talking about. And I, the mm-hmm. fact is I didn't, I didn't, I don't know your world. But what I do know is how to get somebody else from a corporate innovation or product management world and put them in front of you and mm-hmm. say, hey, this person who's probably like 10 times smarter than me has something important to say. You should pay attention to it. And that would elevate my brand because now I'm looking at, they're like, okay, this person has become a curator of knowledge rather than trying to force feed, hey, this is branded content, like shove it down you. Right. Because, you know, because like, if you ask me to empathize with a, 
empathy is huge in the outbound world. But if you ask me to empathize with the corporate innovation manager, I'm like, how do I do that, right? I don't know how to, I don't know. I can't walk in their shoes. I don't know what their meetings are like. I don't know what the stakeholders they need to deal with. Mm-hmm. But I can get, find someone who, and convince them to talk to me, record that, and show it in front of you. And then you'll be like, okay, this guy at least attempted it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's leveraging all these pieces together. 100%. Uh, work. I like it. So after, you know, you start doing these things, you start with the live, you go to, to the recorded, you reintroduce yeah. live. How does this start building value for your client? Yeah. So I think like fundamentally, like, let's take a step back. Like our core, we had a number of different assumptions. One of our core assumptions for this, which <laughs> we failed heavily. And I encourage your audience to run experiments and against their assumption because sometimes you will fail and you will fail big. And this was our core assumption that failed was that if we get these prospects, sorry, if we interview, we can interview our prospects and those prospects will end up giving us an opportunity. We're like, okay, fine. Let's go. Like if I had to reach out to the corporate innovation of Deutsche Bank for product development service, they'd be like, hey, you are like, more like you're part of spam whatever but mm-hmm. in the event now that i can interview you i can build a relationship with you you like you know we're, we're doing a one-hour call we're doing a 30-minute pre-planning we're maybe doing a constant email communication we've built a relationship hopefully an opportunity generates from that and what we found that after doing a number of these over like six months that wasn't the case we didn't generally generate maybe one opportunity by accident. We didn't get like the other backup. My real backup was I'd get a referral out of it. I'm like, Hey, this corporate innovation person could refer me to the, another individual. And we didn't, that was also a failure. So we were like, okay, what's going on here? Like, how do we make this work? Right. And what we found out was, Talk about a little bit about LinkedIn is what we started to do is we took all these assets and we started chopping them up into one minute, two minute clips. The problem that we understood was like this wasn't digestible content. Nobody wants to listen to a 30, 40 minute clip, 30 minute video. So like, hey, what does that mean? Like, how do you convert these into clips and tease them and use that as a teaser to get them into the, to the video? But then what we started doing, we were putting this all through LinkedIn and through the founder's profile, through the company profile. And this was our saving grace. And we kind of found this out by accident is that we activated a dormant network. Uh, and now, again, keep in mind, services company, high ACV, right? The key thing for that combination usually is being type of, top of mind, especially in an agency world, right? We activate this dormant network of all these individuals. You know, it's coming out of COVID. They're like, oh my God, this company's still around. Let's reach out to them or let's refer them to this type of business. And we started doing, we were producing generally good content. Other people would see it and then it would drive an inbound, right? We'd get these website inquiries. We'd get these LinkedIn things. We'd get these referrals coming in. And that's when it started to take off. We spent close to three, four months. I would say close to the four month mark, just twiddling our thumbs. We're like, and hoping for the best. We're like, okay, we're doing something. We're excited about it because we have the right audience engaged, but it wasn't yielding into sales or, or any net new opportunities. And that was the problem. And then when we changed it and we tweaked this engine just a slight bit, it resulted in like a massive difference, right? So mm-hmm. I hope that clarifies that point. I don't know if I went off a tangent there. <laughs> no, 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 that's good. That's good. So you expected, you know, coming from the outbound world, you expected it to the people like attending or speaking to immediately inquire about working with the company. Right? Pretty much, yeah. I'm like, yeah. why are you? I'll tell you, why else are you here? Like, 
<laughs> right? I, I, that was my, again, I'm, I came from a very like cutthroat background and from an outgoing world, like, hey, like, if you're here, you're ready to engage, which is not the case, right? There's a whole nother prospect and buyer journey, which they just don't teach you when you're getting onboarded as a sales rep. And, you know, I was onboarded as a sales rep a few years ago, but like, I just, like, I wasn't aware of it, right? Mm-hmm. And like, marketers are more aware of it, but I'm not a marketer by craft. I'm a, I'm a, I was a BDR before, right? For a number of years. So I was used to like, hey, if you've engaged with me and you've said yes to the asset that I've given you, you're ready. Like, let's go and do it. But that wasn't the case, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to go and relearn and understand that, what we call a prospect or buyer journey. I'm like, okay, fine. This is where they're at in the journey. They're not here. They're not in ready to buy. Give me a solution. Give me a solution right now, right? Yeah. And then, so you you use these. You turn these into one to two minute clips and distributed them through the profiles of the executives on LinkedIn. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yes, awesome. because they had they had they already had like you know they didn't have a lot. Was, so we, they had at that time something like two thousand two thousand five hundred connection mm-hmm. followers. And then what we did was we started like okay fine let's do that. And then whoever engages and whoever like looks at the profile let's go in and like beef up their profile. So let's start building. I think now there are roughly four thousand followers. Right, we helped we got some help with some interns as well to to actually execute that and build out that LinkedIn following. Right, so it's a combination gotcha. of like, like if we look in hindsight, it's a combination of LinkedIn, outbound, and content. Gotcha, uh, which absolutely. Is, which is a very weird blended mix of things, but it takes time to understand. Well, like that was the blend required to make this successful. All right, and that's how people like search and operate. Right, you you may Google something, find it, and see the same thing on LinkedIn. Right, you may get an email, you see an ad. Like it's it's omni-channel. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're really meeting people where they are, right? Yeah, to, to a certain extent. It was just also just being like, like I said, the education component, like, mm-hmm. edu- like, how can you ed- like how can you educate someone about something that they don't already know? Or maybe they already know it, but they just don't know it, mm-hmm. right? Right. Sorry, you know, they, they, they already know about something, but they don't know about 100%, right? Like I heard this quote from one of the stocks from Malcolm Gladwell. He's like, what do you, how do you make something interesting? And he's like, I don't know who he was interviewing, but he said that it's like when I go and I challenge your weakest assumptions, right? Mm-hmm. If I go and challenge your strongest assumptions, you're gonna be like, no, 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 like, or your strongest beliefs, like, you're gonna be like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm firm, like, this is how I operate, <laughs> right. this is what I believe. But if I challenge you on the weakest thing, like, I'm not really sure he could be right. So I was like, okay how can I take that learning and implement it in some of the copy for outbound? So when right. I go to a prospect, I'm like, you know, let's, let's switch gears and talk about chief product officers. I don't know much about them, but I'm like, your role is new. Like there's a handful, like there's a few of you are in SaaS in the, in the, in the U S right. Like, what are you doing in your job that's differently that other people don't? And they end up telling me something. And then I go to a prospect and be like, Hey, did you know some CPOs will scale their product teams? like by creating something called product squads and then be like, what's a product squad? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that gives me my aim to, to educate them about something completely new and different. And like, sure, right. they could Google it, but like being that curator of knowledge and the, to the right person in the right place holds extremely, like I can't emphasize, it has a lot of value, right? We live in a very noisy world. And if you go to someone and you're saying like, I had potentially a solution to your problem, mm-hmm. You don't have to really look too hard and low for it, but 
you will, yeah, that will yield in a conversation, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. With that last LinkedIn piece, the clips you created, was there anything yeah. like, um, how did you create those clips? Like uh, what, yeah. what they follow a specific so, format? So yeah, like generally I can think anyone in the audience who's following LinkedIn, there's like just housekeeping things. You just definitely want to make sure there's a thumbnail image. You definitely want to make sure that there's subtitles because LinkedIn mutes stuff. You want to make sure there's good micro copy there. You want to make sure that there's like that format of having the question on the top and then you have the individual answering it. That just makes the content a lot more consumable and it makes it more eye-catching, right? So you want to follow the basics. And in terms of how we got it done, so we end up, after I launched this program, I end up convincing the founder, I'm like, hey, we need someone on a part-time basis to help out because like to produce like even, let's say, 50 videos by June, we're talking mm-hmm. about 50 hours worth of content that needs to be you know, edited Additional that you need to look, but try to create three, four clips per uh, video. You're looking over 200 video assets. So 250 video assets in total, 200 clips, 50 long form uh, videos. So we end up getting someone on a part-time basis through my network, onboarded them and be like, hey, this is what we want to do. Like, how can we constantly optimize and iterate the process and work on it together, right? Because there was no cookie cutter approach to this, right? We were, we were just figuring all this out by ourselves. People in the audience, if they want to try this out, we did it with a couple of clients. Go to Fiverr, you can get a good video editor. But the problem is you need to know what you're, like you need to give the person clear instructions. Right. Okay? I hope that was valuable. Yeah, for sure. And uh, how many executive profiles was this distributed through and like how often? It's uh, a great question. So it happens. So we have the company profile and then we had one main executive profile and then we had three which is like mine and two other individuals that can like supporting profiles per se so if anything goes uh, is pushed on the executive profile we kind of support it through those respective three ones plus the any other employees in the uh, in the client's company right and so that was uh, one way how often in the early days it was uh, like when when the asset was ready we would produce it right or we would release it now what we do is we get everything ready. We have a backlog of content. Everything is scheduled. We have, uh, I think it's an intern. uh, It's a mixture of buffer and an intern going in and scheduling it. And we try to do, I think, like one post a day, right? I think a maximum two posts a day. Maybe one post will be from the founder. One post will be from the company page, right? But um, it's we're really about being like a LinkedIn content engine and staying top of mind. And that's really what's helped a lot. And like, it's also helped by like building relationship with the speakers. Like it's hard, like we're only six, seven months into this, but like a number of the speakers have, like, like I said, they've not given us direct opportunities, but we've like, you know, we've used, they've said, Hey, like three, four, three to four months from now, we might be interested. Or they're like, Hey, let, like we had a, the client housing needed help recruiting. We reached out to the speakers and be like, Hey, we need help recruiting a VP of product. Like, do you know anyone? Do you have older candidates you can toss our way? So that relationship was built and like that was the biggest KPI I went to my client. I'm like, you know, seven months ago, you didn't know these 50 people. Now you do. And these are not nobodies. These are some powerful people. You can use them right. for investing opportunities, referral opportunities, but whatever it is you need to use them for, like build the relationship, show that you're a human being, show that you need help sometimes, show and on offer help as well, right? Like, I think that's one of the... The success around this program, it was a very human to human, 
Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, hey, like I'm gonna help you push the push the asset out. The more you help, the more your name gets recognized, and vice versa. You know, it's I scratch your back, you scratch my back. Type of mm-hmm. thing as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And to wrap up here, ultimate the ultimate results or like what would you say like with the end results that were generated from this yeah. program, this ongoing effort? Yeah. So fortunately for us, you know, attribution is one of the most challenging things in marketing, right? Sure. But fortunately, in this case, there was nothing being done, so we could tie back all of the success that we've had to this program because it was the only marketing effort that was being done, right? And a combination of live webinars, podcasts, pre-recorded and stuff. So we've been at it for seven months now. We, like I said, I've, by June, so, uh, so right now it's May, but by the time we do it in June, we uh, would have been about seven months uh, into it and we would have recorded 50 of these uh, videos or interviews. So prior to this, there was like no opportunities in the pipe, all referral driven and stuff. I think, you know, in terms of the number of opportunities to date, it's probably close to the 25 to 30 mark. We didn't have HubSpot before. I helped implement HubSpots. We actually have a pipeline. So there was about 25 to, I would say, 30, maybe 32 ops that came in through the pipe, through in some shape or form, whether it was a LinkedIn referral, website inbound, existing customers saying like, hey, we want to work with you again, uh, all of that type of stuff. So that was great because, you know, we were actually like, hey, this is because of our success. It wasn't because of, it wasn't smokes and mirrors. It wasn't because for whatever reason. And again, because we're high ACV, like specifically on the client side, I think the total pipeline value was around, around I would say, between 1.5 to 2. And out of which, like I would say, a portion of it has been closed for this in the last quarter. And then a lot of it is for the remaining next quarters, right? It's been an incredible success. And like the way we measure that is like, hey, compared to what we did a year ago, no marketing efforts, nothing was in the pipe. Now we're doing this, all of this stuff. We don't like it's clearly resonating. We don't understand how it's working, but it is working in bits and pieces. We have a like we understand 50% of the engine of how to drive consistently drive this. And now we have like a, a massive pipe of opportunities, massive pipeline value, and everyone's at overcapacity, like we're as an agency. So uh, it's been an interesting ride and like definitely learned a lot of different things through it. And I'm happy to share that on an ongoing basis. Awesome. And then I never asked, what is the ACV of the company? So typical ACV will, will, will stick between 50 to 100K. Sometimes very rarely you'll hit about 150 to 200. Gotcha. Gotcha. And can you, can you share how much has already been closed? Close to, I want to say 400. 400K has been closed out of that uh, two, yeah, around that 2K, 2 million mark. Awesome. Awesome. Ahan. Sorry, this is 400 in the last like three months just to. Three <laughs> months. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ahan. Ahan Isaacs. Check him out at growthrhino.com. That's growthrhino.com. Ahan, pleasure having you on the show. Oh, pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. You have a good one. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Ahan has proven that cold outbound isn't just for booking sales calls. You can use cold outreach to connect with your ideal customers and build real relationships that continue to drive business day in and day out without having to directly ask for a sales meeting. Look, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening.